Hello there. This is an incoming transmission from the Outer Rim Beacon. Everything leading up to this moment has been rehearsal. The real performance is about to begin. I'm counting on it. Ladies and gentlemen, you have now tuned in to the Outer Rim Beacon, your frequency for everything in that galaxy far, far away. Uh, Welcome to the show. My name is Justin. I'm one of the hosts. Joining me today, as always, are my co-hosts. This is Josh. Shooter! Or something! (laughs) Oh, man. The the audio-only audience, which is everyone but the three of us, really (laughs) missed out on the visual there. Josh had his little... uh, action figure pop up on screen there oh so, not e- it's a bust topper it's a drink topper. oh drink topper a bust i was being generous there with that i guess this is kyle by the way and i already, <laughs> already said too much stuff to say anything else. yeah josh josh uh spent a lot of money on a diamond select toys nemoidian bust <laughs> just to I get, mean, just to get that yes I, I technically that's still what it is that's true that's true I got but you this can sip the... beverages out of his head. Yep. That's actually out of the... Oh, it's out of his back. The middle of his yeah. back, right where you would stab him. <laughs> um, If you were going to betray him, of course. Like, yeah, Nemoidian Caesar. Uh, um, I actually <laughs> bought this at the Mommy <laughs> Antique Mall while shopping there with Christopher Mernon. You didn't... Oh, nice. Whoa, there's a throwback. Yeah, it's dusty. <laughs> it's dusty. His name is Dusty or it has <laughs> dust on it? It has dust on it. Oh, okay. Oh, <laughs> whatever. What are we sure. thinking with this design choice too? Let's go ahead and stick the hole in the back, and I just guess it's better than like the mouth or the eye socket. But hey, man, odd choices. Merchandising. It yeah, was just for real. Were, we were just coming out of the dark times. They were going to slap Star Wars on anything and everything. That's yeah, very true. Um, which we're we're going to get into in this episode because we're going to talk about something a little bit different um, today. But before we dive into Star that, Trek. let's go. Yes, Star Trek. This episode is Gosh. Star Trek. All of it. We're going to have to be here for a couple hours. So, um, No, we got a little bit of news. Um, really not much going on uh, this week. Uh, still on the writer's strike. Um, so there's some delays in post-production things for shows. Um, we did get a little bit of information. The next, which is, this is absolutely crazy because Hasbro's out here dropping the next gi joe has lab and they haven't even oh that helicopter released the hiss yeah they haven't even released the hiss tank yet and here they are dropping the second has lab which is the dragonfly helicopter um in six inch and it's uh it's gonna sell for 275 dollars and it clears backers it clears backing at ten thousand backers there are already five thousand in one day they're all over G.I. Joe, That's man. They're doing crazy. so... I don't know... Like, Boomer toys. Yeah, I guess. That's crazy. Is that um, that franchise just seems so popular right now. They are always yeah. putting out stuff, and it always seems to do well. They did a couple action figures that were based on the internet parodies of the PSAs. Really? Yeah. And they're That's, like officially licensed Hasbro. That's brilliant. Yeah. That's mm-hmm. brilliant. What um, um is there GI Joe media coming out or is it strictly collectibles? I don't know. I think I've heard anything about figures, uh, if you will. a, a show Joe anything but Mm-mm. man you I mean just make an animated one you could you'd 
get mm-hmm. the nostalgia market, you get the youth market. I mean, people would watch the shit out of that thing. Give me a break. Forget about it. Um, it's it's going to come with uh, Pilot Wild Bill, and it comes Hickok. with another figure at 13K, and then two more figures at 16 and 19. And at this rate, they're gonna hit if all there was 5,000 a day, they're going to hit all that yep. in like <laughs> less than five days. Um, it does have lights on it, which again is is something. Duh. Um, and it looks, yeah. if you look at the renderings, um, I sent a link uh, to the guys here, but there's visual renderings of it. The lights are all over this thing. Mm-hmm. Um, it's really cool looking. Um, has a stand with it, displays beautifully. Um, like it looks like it's in flight. It is a cool little yeah. stand. Yep. Um, it's pretty dope. So uh, get out there. If you're a big G.I. Joe fan, you can back Dragonfly Helicopter. Um, we should be getting the next Star Wars has lab uh, at San Diego Comic-Con, which is July 19th through the 23rd. So we still have a little over a month on that. But I'm hoping, I'm fingers crossed, that we have like righted the ship and we are moving in the right direction to something oh, God, that is amazing. Can you imagine if regarding they had two that didn't Haslab. make in a row in the Star Wars franchise? Yeah, that would be that would be very bad, horrific, very very bad. Go ahead, Josh. Life size, uh, come Han on, and carbonate. Come on. Josh. <laughs> uh, what are the what are the stretch yeah. stretch goals? Um. A cardboard backdrop <laughs> and some bones. Okay. And some bones. This guy. I mean, that's where they pretty was much the, went. Was with the, the Rancor, Rancor debacle the last one? That was the last Haslab, yep, right? That was yeah. the last one. Mm-hmm. And no, what was the No. No. The the lightsaber was the last one. The Oh, the Reva. Yeah. Was, was that after But they the produced that, yeah, didn't they? That was Ken- Kenobi. That was after Oh, that's right. Book of Boba Fett. <laughs> That's right. Did huh. it actually make it? It didn't make it to production it either, did it? it? They did so they did do two in a row that didn't work. They did do two in a row. Oh, woof. Oh, oh. What ha- is there? A hey, three Star strikes Wars and you're out. Haslab, or you um, just get to keep trying? Or I, I don't know. I mean, that's. Do you guys remember the price crazy. points on those? I, I feel like it was higher than two fifty. I'm pretty sure the Reva Saver was like five hundred dollars. Yeah, like this, and that was the thing was you could just go buy an off. Like there's other makers out there that mm-hmm. make it. There's one that actually spins. I'm pretty sure. These are, um, these other Haslab projects are just. <laughs> seems like you're getting so much more bang for your buck than the Star Wars yeah. ones. The price points are lower, and you're maybe we're not as critical of those uh, IP, or we don't know what we're looking at quite as much. No offense to either of you, but um, it just seems like the mm-hmm. stuff is. So much better and cheaper than what they're offering on the Star Wars end. Yeah, um, Hasbro, get it together. Well, and the I think the one really the big six inch one that they went into was the Tie Fighter, right from uh, Force Force Awakens. They did the big big Tie Fighter, which seats two six inch figures. Um, but it was ex- yeah, that was expensive at the time. Um, I don't think it was any more expensive than what this is, but you're getting more with this. You're, you know, if they meet the stretch goals, you're getting four figures. The Tie Fighter had one plus. Lights it was like two. I think it was like two hundred dollars. External decals and just yep. 
stuff. You know, it comes yeah. with this. I'm going to retract my previous statement. The stand is not awesome, but it comes with a stand, which is a pretty mm-hmm. nice feature because most collectibles don't come with any kind of like Mm-mm. display piece. Yeah. Um, they did that with the Razor Crest when that came out and it displays kind of angled like mm-hmm. it's in flight, which is really cool. Um, but yeah, they're they're killing it with the G.I. Joe stuff. I don't know. I completely forgot about the Reva Saver. You're right, Josh. That's Jeez, that's crazy. Too. I forgot about that. Um, it didn't yep. do anything. Whatever. <laughs> Whatever. Um, uh, yeah, so... Well, and two, the, two... the Proton Pack. That thing was sick. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, that one was really good. It had lights Wars. and sound and movement. Um, it had like something that spun in the mm-hmm. back, like a weight or something that was spinning. So it felt like you actually yeah, lit up had like a nuclear reactor stuff. on your back. Um, yeah, so they better knock it out of the park with whatever's coming next for Star Wars HasLab because they can't. I don't. They can't afford another one. Um, What's the date of San Diego Comic Con? July nineteenth through the twenty third. End of next month, about a month mm-hmm. and a half. Uh, guesses for what it'll be. I I mean, that's the thing. I can't even think of what it could be, or I I have a hard time thinking of what I even want it to be. Well, no, I I know what what I want it to be. be. I want it to be a black series size tie defender, but you know, that's not going to happen. That would be pretty cool. I still want it to be the ghost, but that would be a huge ship. Um, especially if it has like the phantom that can detach mm-hmm. on the back. I mean, that thing's just going to be massive and it's going to cost a fortune. Um, yeah, that's the thing. If they put it out at right. 800 bucks, you know, You're, it's, yeah, that's how you, at 250, you can sell 5,000 in a day, you know? Yeah. At six, seven, eight hundred dollars that's a whole other ball game, you know? And maybe that's what they're learning from these GI Joe has labs is learning. that if we make it, Make if we make it less expensive, but we make it a smaller vehicle that fits one or two characters, or or you know you can fit others in there because the the helicopter only fits two, right? Mm-hmm. But you're going to get four characters with this thing. Oh, so weren't the Razor Crest and the the barge both three point seven five scale? Yes, and the barge I mean, was massive. You don't have to do six inch. You could do no. three point seven five or in vintage scale and and make a four or six eight seater vehicle and, and you know yeah. whatever or you know is this GI Joe only three seven five or are they doing the six inch still with this because I know they've been doing six inch figures. The Dragonfly is six inch. Yeah, so I mean that thing's still so, going to be pretty big. It's still going to be big, um, and the Hiss is going to be big. Um, but the hiss you can fit like the driver and then you can fit other troops in the back. So it holds three or four six inch figures. So it's going to be pretty sizable too. So I know people say this about star Wars and I don't actually agree on star Wars, but in my opinion, the Cobra stuff is always way cooler than the Joe stuff. Mm. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so be on the lookout for that. Well, actually you can go do it now. If you want to back it right now, it's available. Um, Josh, did you have something else news-wise you were going to dive into? It's been confirmed that Katie Sackhoff was on set at Ahsoka. But she won't won't confirm if she's actually in the show or was just visiting. She could have just stopped by. She's a 
friend of the franchise, right? Um, well, and I'm sh- I'm assuming you guys saw the um, the pictures they released of what is presumably an Inquisitor from yeah. mm-hmm. the Ahsoka upcoming Ahsoka series. This was released in Vanity Fair, right? Mm-hmm. Something, some yeah. whatever. Yeah, some, that's I think it was. it was a Vanity Fair article, but it was the first time we've seen them. And oh, it might have been from. I think it was from Empire Magazine, actually. Okay. Yeah, I, I yeah, knew yeah. it was some kind of print media article, but they uh, the, the talk of the town, the town being the internet, is you know who is that Inquisitor? We thought most of them would be gone by this point. Is it Ezra? Dummies? No, probably not. But you know that whatever. would be wild. I'd finally like Ezra. Not, this is Stop not it. the one that was already in the trailer fighting Ahsoka. This is a different one. No, I like think a it's second the same one. one. Or it's the same one. I don't okay. know. I was under I the know. impression from the stuff I was reading that this was some different character, but I don't know. Hmm. Okay. Maybe it's that. just a it's different an empire. Look at them. Maybe they have a mask on different. I don't know. Yeah. I have to check that out. So. Yeah, that's, I'm right. just shooting from the hip here. Well, same why don't we dive without knowing what I'm talking about? No, you're good. Like I do. <laughs> He's throwing out hot takes left and right. Oh, whatever. I mean, that's not really a hot take. I just like barely know what I'm talking about. I saw a picture. <laughs> whatever. <laughs> nice. Um, well, let's dive into our topic of conversation this week. And this is actually a little bit older of um, a visual media, if you will. This was part of the... Uh, we went back and we reviewed part of the Toys That Made Us series, uh, specifically f- spoke ugh, specifically focusing on Star Wars, which was the very first episode of this show. You're that damn aired, right it was. Um, that produced <laughs> in uh, 2019. So we're not that far removed from when this was actually shot, recorded, produced, and put out for public consumption. And they did... Um, they've done three seasons of this series and each season I think has four episodes a season, right? I think the first one yeah, was like, it's not a lot. Yeah. It was like Barb star Wars, Barbie, um, maybe he man and something else was like the first season. And then I think in I the most Joe's. recent one, it's like Ninja turtles, Joe's. Yeah. Um, they've that, kind of touched on everything that Ninja turtles, uh, episode was the first time that Kevin Eastman and Peter Laird were like in the same room in like I don't know how long but like a really long time mm-hmm. like 30 years 25 Jeez. years something like that um and it all for that show and then they, and then after that show they did a they did more turtle stuff together again nice and nice. then after that uh Josh and I met Kevin in Lexington I Lexington Comic Con yeah Peter Laird's like a, a white whale of mine because he doesn't really do a lot of stuff. That's so. crazy. Um, but yeah, so this, I mean, this basically centers on the creation of the Hasbro, or excuse me, the Kenner line of toys that was released prior to the movie and uh, coming out in 77 and, and what they were doing to get it off the ground. It features a lot of uh, key people that were instrumental um, in the development that, of that, um, number one, Jim Swearingen, who was the senior product designer who took on the project. Um, basically, they <laughs> has it got it. You know, the idea to market these toys got 
passed up by a lot of major uh, retailers at the time, Mattel, Hasbro, all of them. Parker Brothers. They all said no because um, it was too short of a time frame. Um, and this you know, is and they didn't really the know anything out. about it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. They didn't know anything about it. So they all passed on it. Uh, Swearingen got a hold of it, basically said, yeah, I want to look at this. I want to do it. And put into motion a set of events that brought in a lot of people that were all sci-fi geeks um, that were really into this stuff. And when they read the script, they thought it looked really, really good. Um, And then it only got better when they started to see some of the artwork that Lucas shared with them and Lucasfilm shared with them. And And then it really kind of took off from there. And the models, yeah. And uh, so you have... You know, in this interview, you've got Jim Swearingen, you've got Dave Okada, who is VP of uh, Preliminary Design from 76 to 78, uh, Mark Pevers, who was responsible for Lucasfilm merchandising at the time. He was basically shipping this around, trying to get people to bite on it and couldn't find anybody. Um, Pete Kelly, who is uh, Kenner's, Kenner's sales exec from 72 to 01. Uh, and then at the time, he was not in this interview. Bernie Loomis was the head of Kenner. Um, but he was the big man in charge, literally from what I, it, it sounds like he was a very large man. Um, I got the impression they he kept was referring dead. to That's his, why he wasn't in it. Yeah. 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 He, um, <laughs> he didn't just had very large sausage fingers. <laughs> yeah. No. Um, Jim Kipling, who was senior VP of business and legal affairs at Kenner, Mark Boudreau, who was the toy designer at Kenner in Hasbro from actually 77 to present, at least when this was shot back That's in 2019. He is the lead. He's been the lead designer on every Millennium Falcon to present, which is impressive considering he was there for him from the very first one, which was very basic to, you know, the BMF Falcon, the Galaxy's Edge Falcon that just came out a couple years ago that are just epic. Um, really, really cool career there. Go ahead, Josh. You know what they call Mark around the office? What? L7. This guy. <laughs> Um, <laughs> my word, uh, Alan Hassenfeld, who took over just, Hasbro, just jealous. <laughs> Alan yeah. Hassenfeld, who took over Hasbro, actually, I guess they, um, he took over Hasbro as CEO in 89 to 08 and they were, he was in charge when they bought out Kenner. Um, and then Aaron he's Archer, good, who was he's not a good negotiator. negotiator. No, <laughs> I, I, I also got that takeaway. Yeah, um, and then Aaron Archer, who was a Hasbro toys designer from 95 to 13. Um, and then throughout, kind of sprinkled in throughout and talking about collecting. You left out the lawyer. In, He's my favorite one and a, a main component. Oh, I did. I did. For, no, I didn't. Uh, Jim, Kipling. Jim Kipling. Sorry. Oh, okay. I have him on here. My Jim bad. Kipling, senior VP of business and legal affairs. He was hilarious. <laughs> he was like, my He's my anus. favorite one. Yeah. Oh, my he God. He was like, that yeah. is when my anus contracted. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah this guy. <laughs> I like when he's talking about the meeting and the guy from uh, Lucasfilm yeah, bodybuilder or whatever he's up, like, like flex. Well, he said, please feel free I don't want to hear this. this. Yeah. <laughs> he said, well, okay, please don't listen then. <laughs> yeah. I like, the, um, I like the cut of his jib. Jim seems like a, a fun guy to hang out with. Cause he's probably got some stories that know. you really want to hear. Um, and then kind of sprinkled in with the, the, the representatives from Hasbro and Lucasfilm and Kenner. Um, you have John Tenuto, who is a uh, sociology professor um, and also a collector. Mark Bellamo, who's an author, um, also a collector. Um, 
Ron Salvatore, who's an editor at Star Wars Collectors Archives, which I'm pretty sure they just produced a really big archive book of all of the 3.75 inch figures. Um, of course, Steve Sansweet. Um, Never heard of, of him. <laughs> don't know him. Don't know him. Uh, some guy. He runs some little little uh, museum or something. Rancho Obi Wan. You guys are so, being. You guys are gatekeeping to any of our listeners <laughs> who may not know about Rancho Obi Wan. It's fine. It's okay if you don't know about it. <laughs> Steve Sansweet's the guy. That's who true. Wins. Uh, Rancho Obi-Wan is the largest collection of Star Wars items um, on this planet. Uh, he estimates it over at the time of this in 2019, 400,000 different, different items in his He's collection. He's got dupes of I'm a lot sure, of stuff, too. I don't know if you noticed that. <laughs> I am sure is well over that mark now. Um, and then uh, David Vonner, who is just a toy designer in general. Um, but yeah, a lot of. A lot of individuals in this interview. I'm sure I probably missed one or two in there, um, but a lot of people in this interview. Um, super cool to see the history of this, right? And, and Kyle, you're you're down in the Cincinnati area. Heck yeah. Um, you Cincinnati. know the mural, mm-hmm. right, that you see in the end of this? Yeah, I've been there the a bunch of times. Show, Josh and I went it's there still once. there. Yeah, mm-hmm. Kyle took me there. Yeah. Um, so if you're ever in Cincinnati and you're visiting and you want to go, hey, I want the Kenner tour, you can still see the building. Is it still a Kroger building? Yeah, it is. Know? It's an office okay. building. You can't go get bananas there or whatever. But yeah, well, no. it's, <laughs> it's like a corporate headquarters yeah. for Kroger's or some form. Kroger is centered of in Cincinnati office well. for them. Um, but it's in that building, and then you can also see the mural. Mm-hmm. Um, that's still there. It's gorgeous. So. It's really well maintained, and it looks like brand new. It's not, but how how big of a mural is it? Would you say how how big do you think it is? Guesstimating huge. It's like very large. Three stories it's, tall. It's at least I can, 40, I had to 50, back up really far to get the whole thing in a picture. Oh, jeez. I don't, I have never been, I've never seen it, actually. You, would, to... you wouldn't unless you specifically went to see it. You know, it's between okay. two buildings. You like. It's by, it's by a cool donut shop. Yeah, true. <laughs> that donut shop closed. Rest in peace. Oh, oh shit. I know. It is because no they have good. best donuts in town. They have another location slightly farther away, but, you know, Holtman's Donuts, mm. shout out. You can sponsor us. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> um, what, I love donuts. They're delicious. They're potentially yeah. a perfect food. So this this show basically gives us the rundown on the creation of how the toys came to be. You don't want to talk um, about donuts kind of where anymore? We're sitting right now. No, I mean, I love donuts. <laughs> okay, but. fine. Um, so what did you guys in, in kind of this discussion, what did you think was the, or like, what did you guys really take away from this? Or what did you guys get out of this learning about the history of star Wars figures and where they came from and how they came to be? It just even more illustrates how much of like early star Wars was like rolling the dice. Mm -hmm. Like, Mm -hmm. Some random com- little company takes a takes a shot on a movie they think is cool, and then it just ran no, a movie no one thought was going to do anything, and it just it ends up being the biggest movie ever. Like, yeah. Uh, for me, it was like this this mix of like probably thirty to fifty percent was stuff that I like kind of knew about already to some degree, mm-hmm. you know, like. I knew about 
they weren't going to, they didn't have figures ready. So you could order like pre basically pre-order and send away and get your original figures later. And, um, you know, the the first 11 that they made and that it was Kenner in Cincinnati and, uh, you know, that they kind of let the deal lapse and renegotiated later for a much more favorable for Lucasfilm. Um, all that stuff I knew, but then there's like, all that anecdotal stuff from the actual employees that was way more interesting to me um, because it was new information. Like the story told about like, you know, how big are we going to make these figures? Cause at the time the standard was a six or a 12 inch. Uh, but they realized that, the vehicles and the spaceships were going to be really important to this and to make them scalable to a six or 12 inch figure was not going to be practical. And, you know, so the guy just kind of puts his hand out there and says, well, make them this big and, you know, Mm -hmm. and it's just under four inches. And now we've had three and three quarter inch figures for 30, 40 years. Um, because one guy said, uh, this big, you know, and that's like so interesting to me. I really like that stuff. He said he looked, Dave Okada said his fingers look like sausages. Yes. (laughs) Also, you know, you know, and the lawyer sitting in meetings and his rectum puckering, that's hilarious to me. I love that because who just, who hasn't been in a sphincter contracting situation? Who can't relate to that? Um, was that when he was talking about the um, the new Alan, the new CEO, basically yeah. saying whatever it he's takes, like, we'll do whatever like, it takes. To we got to get this deal done. Yeah. Whatever it takes, and he's just threw away <sighs> basically any negotiating chips that they had I don't in know it. If, yeah, if there is a negotiating class, but I'm pretty sure the first day would be something along the lines of you know, <laughs> don't ever say that. Don't push your don't push all the chips yeah. in very first thing. At yeah, least don't act do like you're willing to walk away. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> Um, you know, I think the biggest thing that I learned that I didn't realize in the beginning was that most of the initial figures were kit bashed from other figures. I guess I never knew that or didn't know that. And they were just taken. Yeah. They were taking like construction figures or something from Mattel and like putting their playmates on a Fisher Price. Price, And they were like just molding them. And then when, um, uh, when, uh, Dave starts talking about, whoa, I forgot about the Jawas. So I had to make the Jawa and he like cut the legs off and literally stuck like, you know, from the knee down onto a torso. And he said, but I didn't have the cape. So he cut his sock off and he couldn't to find put the right on the figure. Brown. And he said, and then he said, what did he say? We carted that, we carted that figure with the sock on it around for months <laughs> because they were doing product demos and demonstrations and showing like mm-hmm. the different, like the line to people. Um, and here he is with just his sock just getting trailed around because it was a cloth cloth figure. So, um, but Kyle, you're right. Let's talk about that for a minute. The the contract deal. So the initial the initial figures and the initial partnership didn't even get inked until like after two years into this they agreement. They them. had making them. They'd been putting them out there. The movie came out. The figures hit. You know, after Christmas, like the movie came out. It was Christmas time. There's no figures. The following spring in 78, they rolled out these figures, the mail-in kits, products started hitting stores. There's still no contract in this. Yeah, it's insane that, like, 
whatever six years before I was born when Justin was only 25 it was like a whole <laughs> different world like that would never can you imagine yeah, no. that would never fly Fox Studios no, being today. like oh yeah fine uh-huh. we'll sign we'll sign a contract whenever we get around to it it'll be great like this is right not even possible like, nobody is entering into production or making anything for no. anybody until a deal is inked until and somebody here paid we are just something, like, probably. Yeah. <laughs> and here we are just like, all right, let's go ahead and make these. And they, they, you know, kind of went about it the right way. They were like, all right, well, what we, we've seen the drawings, we've seen the artwork, what can we produce that um, we can get out? And I think they, they broke it down in like two phases, right? The first phase was anything that's print media, coloring books, stickers, board um, games, yeah. board games, whatever they could get out that just Puzzles. had artwork on it. They did that. And then they said part of that phase was also, um, what did they call it? Uh, label slapping. Label, sw- label like slapping, like where that. they took something that already existed and they just put new stickers on it and put it out like, oh, here's made the Death Star, Star Gunner Wars. and made it Star Wars. And it, honestly, there's some of that that still exists today in toy manufacturing. How sure. many of the same figure do we get pumped out that's literally the same character, but it's in two different movies, but they go, oh, here's this card back with this artwork and this this movie title on it, but it's the same figure from this movie that still occurs today. Um, but that was really uh, the phase We're, one. And then the phase two was the mail-in kit, right? That was the big risk that they took was, all right, we're going to let you submit to us this coupon code or whatever. And then we promise we're going to send you figures again. The first ever living pre-order, loosely here right? in the seventies and eighties, baby. We're just, trusting people left and right to deliver on goods um and that was the first four figures that was the uh the luke luke leia r2 and chewy in the mail way that you could get no bad guys not a not a very robust storyline with those first four figures no 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 unless you make leia the bad guy and she's like ruling wow guess we we found we found the misogynist in the group i guess (laughs) Hey, she's a strong woman in a position of power. I don't understand. So she's got to be evil, huh, Justin? Wow. <laughs> she could be good. It could be Luke. Wow. Or you could have you might R2 as well take write over. it on your shirt, bud. I'm speechless. A- AI, AI is taking over the machines. R2 just ruling the galaxy. Uh-huh. Yeah. It could be anything. Your foot's so. too far so in your mouth, when you, you can't take it out now. That's what happens when you get an all good guy pack. <laughs> yeah. Somebody's got to take the fall, yeah. so... Um, but yeah, so it was super interesting to kind of see how this all came about. And again, the initial contract, Kyle, what you're talking about, they set it up where 95% of it, Kenner got to keep. And then literally a nickel got split between Lucasfilm and Fox. Well, a nickel of every dollar, not an actual nickel. Right, right. A nickel of every dollar. So, you know, 2.5 cents is going to Lucas and Fox at the time. And the only stipulation was that $10,000 in royalties would go to Lucasfilm and, uh, and Lucas and Fox, right, on an annual basis, or a $10,000 check would be written to them. No, and then, Justin. The stipulation was that they had to sell at least $10,000 worth of, sorry, of, yes, uh, of merch. Star Wars merchandise per year. So yes. and and what, what everyone was saying about the check, well, the point was, you know, if you don't move product because nothing's coming out, 
just give them the money because then the contract says you get to keep the license in perpetuity forever. Yes. And somewhere along the road, during the dark times, didn't send a check and the contract was null and void or. Well, in 1985 to 1990, whatever, six, seven, whenever they were telling people that Phantom Menace was going to come out, that people thought there was no more Star Wars. Nothing. I mean, if you're a big company for $10,000 a year, you probably just hedge your bets. But, you know, somebody decided not to or forgot to or it slipped through the cracks and they, uh, they lost it. Can I say something about the contracts, though? When they talked yeah. about how many billions and billions of figures they've sold and enough to melt down the plastic and build a Chewbacca bigger than the Empire State Building or whatever. Were you thinking we should do that? Uh, no, I was thinking I don't oh, that's feel... That's the next lab. <laughs> yes, yeah, the Empire State Building size Chewy. Um, I don't feel bad for anyone on either side of any of these contracts um, is sort of the bottom line of that. Because two and a half percent of one billion is a lot, and mm-hmm. everyone's doing just fine. So you know yeah. they made a whole big deal over whatever fifteen percent, twenty percent of an obscene amount. Yeah, of it was it, yeah, it was eighteen percent. I thought, oh, that's still not that much. It's I mean, a, I mean, yeah, it's it, a lot more than five. But like, we're talking about such a huge amount of money that, like, y- yeah, you know what I mean. Yeah. Like, a ten percent swing is like it. It really does. It, everyone's making millions upon millions upon millions of dollars on every mm-hmm. end of both contracts. So. Yeah, yeah. I mean, be mad, be big mad about it. It's whatever. Yeah. yeah. Go ahead, Josh. I lost it. Sorry. <laughs> um, Just over here. Hating, I will say. I will say capitalism. there was something I was going to say earlier. Is that do you know what do you know what uh, business handshake deals still happening? Hmm. Professional wrestling, brother. <laughs> It's usually like when someone – I probably peaked when I did that. Sorry, Kyle. Um, it's like when someone's coming in for like a short-time thing mm. or like a one one night only. Sometimes you'll hear like, oh, The Rock was at WrestleMania on a handshake deal with Vince McMahon or something like that. So he just like agreed to come for a day or whatever? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, they but say? They were, wrestling's okay. carny, super carny, so it's, I'm not super surprised by any of that. Mm. wonder what kind yeah, of they, insurance implications are with that. Whatever. Go with ahead. pro wrestling? Well, yeah, because like, if you don't sign a contract, that's like a risky thing. There is an inherent health risk every time you go out yeah. and perform yeah, yeah. A professional wrestling match, I have to assume. So, yeah, if you oh, do yeah, that so. with without <laughs> signing any kind of contract, and God forbid something does happen, then what? You know, I mean, everybody's right, rich right. again. You'll probably be fine, but you know, yeah. I think I the know. the enough people know about what goes on backstage that that would be the the media backlash from not paying for your un, your injured person because mm-hmm. they were you know an on contract would just be uh wouldn't be worth it so they would probably just pay whatever it was 
Oh, you're thinking anyway. bro- you're thinking broken arm. I was thinking lifelong quadriplegic or something like that, which is a whole other level of expense. But that's that's true. We're, we're spiraling mm-hmm. out of control here on the yeah the outer rim <laughs> on, the, <laughs> on the pro wrestling contract negotiations. We're in the unknown regions. Oh, um, bringing it back to Star Wars. I love that. But but if, speaking of operating under no contract, the, according to what uh, who was it? Uh, one of them said they were making twenty two million figures a year. Mm-hmm. With no contract, that's a lot. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's not even like, oh, we're still in prototype phase. No, you're in full production, selling this stuff everywhere at 22 million figures. Um, while you, while you we're know, talking about numbers, they also flashed up a number of we're going to sell this Millennium Falcon for like twenty four dollars, twenty four, twenty four seventy seven, which is less than a black series is today. Yeah, you yep. saw where I was going with that because they were <laughs> yeah. like, "This Millennium Falcon's so expensive. We're gonna have to make. We're gonna have to make." Bullcrap invented miniature vehicles to go in between at the price at a different price point, so people can and afford people to buy them. them. And now and they, they bought them and still loved them. And now I get one asshole six inch figure for twenty five dollars it better not yeah. be deluxe yeah well no then it's 30 <laughs> deluxe at least. no it's like 40 yeah. grievous is like 40 dollars i think is what he was but um yeah it's ridiculous it's like though, wait wh- how did we go off the, like and i get it paint applications models like the movement and the poa of these figures is way different than what they were doing then but i'm sorry that millennium falcon at 2477 still had sound like you pushed a little button and went me and it made a noise justin not to uh be so on brand with my opinion here but capital capitalism is designed around perpetual growth which is uh inherently unsustainable so here we are (laughs) with unaffordable action figures um, they said the Star Wars films to date had made uh, $7 billion. The toys to this point, or at least as far as 2019 goes, has made twice that amount. That is a lot of toys. Um, they did have a failed line. The micro line failed, which was uh, you know kind of smaller vehicles, but they had like die-cast figures, I think, in it. Um, and I, the one thing that I really blew me away was when they were talking about the Uze... Um, knockoffs we, that we were made. We saw that one guy. We yeah. did. Um, yeah. Kyle and I were at Star Wars Celebration Anaheim in uh, 2015, and we're walking around, and this guy's got like this. It was a, a royal guard, but he was black with like this gold head. Oh, I think we just asked like, him what's headman? the <laughs> yeah. He is we, labeled headman. We just in, asked in him what Uze. the most expensive thing he had was. And yeah, we and we'd us. never, I'd never seen that before. Oh. I was like, what is this yeah. thing? Yeah. And he's like, oh, this one. And we're like, okay, it looks like a really crappy royal that looks guard. looks like and trash. He, Why is it worth <laughs> $15,000? It was like yeah. ten grand, and we were like, oh, okay. What? Uh, what? And yeah, he said it was like ten grand, And no, no packaging. Um, it was according in a to Ziploc bag. The, <laughs> Yeah, um, and it was uh, the original one had a, a shield like Captain America style shield and a sword. I think. Um, it didn't even have that with it, and this thing was ten thousand dollars in the case, and we were just like, "Those are celebration." What cards. is this? Um, but if you go out and look, there's a whole line of these Turkish. It's uh, Uze is a Turkish line, um, 
They were produced in the latter part of the '80s, and if you go look, there's a um, comp- there's a Star Wars collector's archive, which is a comprehensive guide of these Uze carded figures, and there are a bunch of them. Um, the names on these are fantastic. Um, the the Adat driver is the AT driver. Um, let's see, Blue Stars. I don't know what that one is. Um, Dart Vader. Um, yeah, C threep S E E T H R E E P C three. That's his rap name. Um, and then uh, Chewbacca is on here. Death Star droid. Uh, they do have an Emperor's Royal Guard. There's a Headman Imperial. Oh, uh, what is it? Hoth Stormtrooper? Imperial Stormtrooper? Imperial Gunner? Um, R. This one's great. R five D four is A R F I V E D E F O U R. Nice. R five D four. Stormtrooper. There's a Stormtrooper. Uh, I mean, it's it's fantastic though, and the card backs are even better. Um, the Imperial Gunner was the funny one that they talked about in the show that Steve Sansweet kind of pivots it around and it's literally the Death Star Gunner and he's got like a Casio calculator in front of him as like the panel um, for the artwork for these. But it's a I've got one of very the original Death Star line. Gunners from the from you do. It's in good shape whatever. too. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, these they're they don't they don't look great. The packaging is very interesting. The card backs are hilarious, but um, go check them out if you've not seen them before. But yeah, it was unreal. The first time I saw that actually in person and the guy said it was like 10 grand mm-hmm. and I just my jaw, I think my jaw hit the floor when he said that. And, uh, you know, you can see him in this show again uh, if you want to ch- check them out. I um, recently got a, I guess, classic Star Wars knockoff toy. Um, my friend Mike gave me the Force Beam, which is a knockoff lightsaber from 1978. Oh my word! It's literally <laughs> just a flashlight that they like put a tube on the end oh, of. That sounds absolutely incredible. It's <laughs> awesome. Um, you know, the toy game though has changed a lot here, especially in the last couple of years. When now that 3D printing is available to people at home. You can go buy a 3D printer for around 100 bucks and buy filament for about $20 a roll and legitimately print your own toys. Um, or you can buy it, you them know, from other people with 3D printers. You know, I mean, people or, sell all kinds of stuff online. Now. Yes. You can buy yep. bendus and things that you cannot buy, you know, from Hasbro. Yep. Um, there's enough artists out there that are good in 3D artwork that can take images, draw them up, put them into 3D models, get an STL file created, and you can print your own on your own printer for less than what Hasbro sells them with the packaging. So um, the game has changed a you lot. Can, you can since buy the late a printer 70s. for like the the price of five Black Series. <laughs> I mean, yeah, oh yeah, for sure. Um, so it's changed a lot uh, since then. So um, you know the Uze custom line at the time was probably very advanced for what it was but now it's it's a totally different ball game out there so um they did talk a lot about jar jar binks in this show um which slanderous disrespectfully it, it was disrespectful add. yeah um 
and I, I look at it as 2019, I think was, I think that we still hadn't quite gotten over that hump yet, but I think a lot has changed uh, the last couple years since then, um, both in Jar Jar Binks and for um, Ahmed Best um, in the last couple years. And it's good. But yes, this is very reflective of a time that he was not talked about highly. Go ahead. Not to mention none of the people that were like talking about Jar Jar Binks in this thing were under the age of 40. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I also got the impression that these guys loved toys and Star Wars toys more than they loved Star Wars. You know what I mean? Like, I think they are definitely Star Wars fans and they love it, but they are more into the toy and collectible side and how uh, the media affected that, which is their career, more than like they're finally in tune to the fandom, you know, like I don't, I, mm-hmm. I didn't get any of the impression that any of those guys saying that stuff were, uh, like on, on the cutting edge of, you know, the, the current fandom opinion or anything like that. Right. Right. Um, Aaron Archer was the Hasbro toy designer from 95 to 13. He was in the interview that basically said he was responsible for designing a lot of the, jar jar stuff that came out and I, again the designs weren't bad the the figures looked good they were, i think they were a good representation of the character but it was at the time not a popular character and it was like they went all in on the jar jar and uh was probably not the best uh creative move to do at the time i think a lot there was of other stuff that they could have done is sorry the phantom menace was just not what people expected like for a long time, they thought more Star Wars was going to be a certain thing, whatever they thought it was going to be, which in their head was probably like just pretty much exactly the same thing again. Uh, and then it wasn't. And they mm-hmm. were like so upset <laughs> and what like nothing was going to please them because it was different, you know. And I think we're mm-hmm. far enough removed to to kind of realize that because we've seen it so many times like people even in an episode of a tv show or whatever the the fandom assumes a certain thing is going to happen or expects a certain thing to happen or wants a certain thing to happen and then when it does not they're mad no matter what it is even if it's still a good story um you know i think we all appreciate the phantom menace more now than we did then um Mm mm-hmm I like I said I wish I wish I could go back to the way I used to look at Star Wars when I was a teenager and younger it was just like I looked at it like it was history right like mm-hmm. oh I I wasn't thinking like oh they should have done this I was just thinking like oh that's what happened during that period of Star Wars next movie you know like mm-hmm. Didn't there was no like oh I wish that Jar Jar Binks would have done this or I wish Obi Wan would have said this or I think at the time I mostly watched Star Wars that way too and I I didn't dislike the Phantom Menace when I first saw it mm-hmm. I think there was some stuff that I didn't love and but I think that's true of almost every movie but I I do think there was a a huge section of the backlash of the people who who said they hated it was just because it was so different than what they expected. Cause mm-hmm. you know, beat for beat, it's not a bad movie. There's nothing like inherently wrong with it. I think most of the guys in this 
uh, what the t- they use the term slower. It was slower than what they were used to I with the that. original films. And the one guy said it. I it was like a lesson in economics and something. I can't remember how he phrased it, but fine, you know, yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll, I'll concede um, that. Which, which is, uh, you know, a lot of us were like, okay, this is a little weird, but there, again, there's lots of good stuff in any star Wars movie. If you look for it and, and you find something that you're into spade, um, spade, it's gotta be hard to set up a galactic civil war without some political machinations. Right. <laughs> I mean, like something has to happen. The people gotta be mad yeah. about something. What are we? <laughs> yes, <laughs> exactly. Um, it's not like the feudal times yeah, or, exactly. or ancient Greeks and Romans where a princess gets stolen from, yeah. By another know, rival, thinking, yeah, happened, you can't happened in the first one, sir. <laughs> well, well, yes, an Alderanian princess <laughs> did essentially get yes. kidnapped, I guess. But good point, good point. But yes, um, yeah. So um, I thought the biggest, mission. yeah. Um, I, I where's loved... the ambassador? <laughs> his for his force that's wasn't working. So I thought right at that time. Yeah, um, I think the. The biggest thing that I enjoyed watching this was uh, John Tenuta, who is the sociology professor and collector who teaches a class on sociology of Star Wars, which is I wish that was around when I was in college because I definitely would have taken that class. Um, but then he has he like a whole at Ohio university. No, <laughs> but then he has like a whole room of just collectibles that I don't know if that's on campus or like in his own house, but like people just walk in and can see it. Um, but he he brought up a good point and I think this is, um, you know, some of the quotes that he, he had here, but, um, he said, you know, baseball fans can actually go see a game, but a science fiction fan doesn't have that option. The best anybody could hope for was maybe go see the film, uh, being the, go see them filming a star Wars movie. But even that you're still watching Harrison Ford play the role. You're not really watching Han Solo. People collect all kinds of things. They may not think their shoes, think of their shoes as a collection, but when you have 30 pairs of shoes, that's a collection. He said, I think it's a normal human and healthy experience to express who you are through some sort of collection, which agreed. I've heard some people say if you got more than two of it, it's a collection. Yeah. I I don't think it's unreasonable. I have a <laughs> would hope, I hope most you people. Do. I mean, there's some people that maybe don't have a collection of underwear. I, you never know. I don't wear um, any, so I, I don't worry about it. There you go. I'm just kidding. There you I go. do wear underwear. <laughs> um, and then he also said, uh, "This was the other good good quote here." Was for collectors, toys are a tangible symbol of their love for something that isn't real, that has no shape or form in actuality. It's a very human experience to need to touch and to feel and to see a thing in order for it to really have meaning. Otherwise, it's just an abstraction, which is why everything that is abstract winds up getting some physical symbol. America is represented by a flag, as are most countries. Religions are loaded with physical symbols so that so what we can touch so that we can touch that thing and say this represents my faith because otherwise it's an ephemeral experience. Go ahead, Josh. Man, that guy sounds like a nerd. <laughs> <laughs> what a man nerd. loves his toys, apparently. Um, uh, yeah, I like I liked his whole thing about um, you know you're seeing Han Solo play or you're seeing Harrison Ford play Han Solo. You're not actually seeing him. Because uh, nope. yeah, that's true. Like we're seeing them pretend to do Star Wars. We're not really seeing. But Chewie's real, right? Well. 
Josh. We'll talk. He's... We'll talk off here. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I thought you know he's right. Like for those of us that are big collectors or have you know we collect. There's so many people that collect like specific areas of Star Wars. Um, some people just collect artwork. Some yeah. people collect figures. Star Wars collector could mean almost anything. You know, there's so many different yeah. ways to do it. Yeah, uh, you know, and it's it's okay. Like I, I don't like Funko collector. Unless you're like hoarding, and there's like literally like boxes upon boxes, and that you're just falling over you, and like you can't sleep or throw your food away. That could be a little unhealthy. But you know, if you've got them and they're don't tell me how to live my life, Justin. <laughs> As this pile of boxes falls over on Josh behind him, like it, stacks of dirty dishes back there. Um, you know, it, it, I could see it. Like I'm sure there are people out there where it has maybe gotten to a point where it's unhealthy but um you know i I don't think having a collection of something is totally unreasonable and having a hobby is is unreasonable so um i think the best quote in this whole show was dave okada um who was the uh the vp of the design um towards the end when they're kind of talking about the toys, he said, kids have so little control in the real world, but in their toy world, they're in total control. And he's, and he goes, and what he went on to kind of talk about, you know, if a kid had a hard day at school, he could come home and Luke Skywalker would be sitting right there and he could play with Luke Skywalker and, you know, be in this other world to kind of help him. And I think that's where a lot of us as, as collectors have been at some point, um, which is potentially, a reason why we do what we do and why we enjoy it. So, um, but I thought he was very, very on point with that quote. Um, he's not wrong, uh, which is why I, I love playing with my daughter and love spending time with her doing imaginary play with toys, because I think it helps to um, expand their knowledge. And those are going to be the kids that, you know, are growing up and developing really cool stuff for us in the future, hopefully. So anyway, um, what else, what else do you guys have for this uh the toys that made us Star Wars episode anything? Uh did you guys see anything on the show that you own? Um did I see anything that I own? I mean they showed little images There's and a tons lot. of stuff. Did you see anything that you have in your personal collection? I don't think so. Um, I mean, the one guy, like, John had, like, just shelves and shelves of figures. I'm sure I have some of those. Oh, the ATTE was in there. I do have that. There you go. Yes. The at uh, I didn't see anything, but I was just reminded of something that, because Justin brought up the at Um. So, Okay. Hear me out. Mm-hmm. I have proof. So, would you guys agree that the <laughs> major piece? Would you guys agree <laughs> that the major piece of evidence that an ATAT is pronounced at at is from a Kenner commercial? Sure, because mm-hmm. it's never been said in visual media otherwise, and it's been said in audiobooks the way I pronounce it. Okay, so if we're 
if we're if we're going by the, the way audiobooks pronounce stuff, that's not you don't have a great leg to stand on. But no, I know. But I'm saying that's continue. the only kind of media <laughs> besides that. I'm only saying that because that's the only media besides um, the Kenner commercial that even names the the vehicle. Well, they call them Imperial Walkers, really. Right, but in the the argument between the two sure, sure, abbreviated. Sure. Mm-hmm. So if we're saying that the main point of evidence for AT-AT is a Kenner commercial, mini-rigs. The mini-rig vehicles created by Kenner, none of them were canon until they were mentioned in something other than the commercial. The existence of the toy did not make it canon in the new canon. They weren't canon until they were in a comic book or a video game or something else. Mm-hmm. In the Therefore. New, in the new canon, you're saying? In the new canon and the old canon. Oh, I thought they implied that uh, George. No, in the old, can- in the old canon, they were, they were canon from the creation of the toy. In the new canon, they are not. Okay. Therefore, so so if so, your only piece of evidence for that for that is a Kenner commercial, not canon. Do you concede then that prior to the Disney purchase of Lucasfilm, at at was canon? Inconclusive. You can't have your cake and eat it too. <laughs> <laughs> um. Let's see here. So. I have one of the mini rigs pulled up. Let me double check. So if you go to Legends under mini rig, we got... Um, this is a stupid thing to right, talk man. about. <laughs> so I Sor- look at it okay, this way, yep, too. Yeah, sources uh, v- for the toy first mentioned. That does count. So yeah, sure. You know what? To get what I want, I'm going to agree that if the evidence that I've laid out is correct. It was pronounced ATAT or at at in canon prior to 2012. And now it's just unconfirmed until it is. No. Because hmm. the only place that we've heard it in new canon is audiobooks, ATAT. It's ATAT. Mm. We'll see about that. I'm not convinced. <laughs> Uh, I don't know. Are, are any of the so are any of the mini rigs actually canon now? They are now because, because they like, put them in stuff. Oh, hi. they're uh, in like comic books and stuff. Oh, okay, okay. Um, because I didn't, I hadn't seen them or like didn't know if they were actually like produced in print anywhere. But that's pretty cool. Because what they made like five or seven of those. Yeah, there's. It seemed like there were quite like a, a few, couple yeah. of them. Yeah. Um. I mean, they're cool little vehicles, and they were on board when they made them. Like, Lucas was like, hey, this is great. You're just adding to my my little world here, like my Star Wars world. Keep yeah, he's that. all about, like, yeah, stuff is just going on all around, and we're looking at a mm-hmm. little part of it. But Which is why when people poo-poo, well, that couldn't happen. That's not a real shit. No. Yes, it could. Sure, it could. Yeah, very could be. Um, you know, I think the the biggest disappointment, no jet firing, no rocket firing Boba Fett. So sad. What, that it never came yeah. out? Yeah, never made it. 
Way to wow, go, Mattel. Justin. Ruin it for the rest of us. Between the misogyny and the support of choking <sighs> hazards, I don't know if we're going to be able to keep you on the show after today. <laughs> we're taking it under advisement. Uh, <laughs> what they say, Mattel had battles, two Battlestar Galactica toys that had rocket firing pieces and one got lodged in a kid's throat. Mm-hmm. I was like, oh, man. Goddamn Cylons. <laughs> I mean, one kid <laughs> ruin it for everybody. In the '70s, choked on one missile, and now we can't have nice <laughs> things. I mean, give me a break. Yep. It's called natural. Can you imagine selection. being? Can you imagine being that kid though? Like, <laughs> man, I was Kyle just going to say, I, I hope that bad. kid didn't die. <laughs> oh Lord! Um, can you imagine that though? Like, you sent away the card to get the rocket firing Boba Fett, and he shows up, and it's like molded into his back, and he's not. There's no right. firing mechanism, Furious. and you're just like, "What the heck happened? Like, I was supposed to get rocket firing Boba, and then you never for decades you never find out why he was never produced, and then finally they're like, "Oh yeah, some kid choked on a Cylon rocket, so he couldn't make him." And now Steve like, Sansweet at. Ranch Obi Wan has one of each prototype. The LA <laughs> he the has like two two out of the eight ever existed prototypes out there. So, um, or however many. Well, much like, made, but well, never mind. I'm not gonna say that. But they, you can get knockoffs of it though. They have made, mm. uh, you know, like small. Ba- well, whatever. They talked about that in the show, didn't they? Yeah, mm-hmm. they made like small yeah. batch replicas. Which I think the guy that was talking about it works for. Uh, is it Nika? Nika Toys. Josh, is that who makes the NECA? Yeah, I NECA? think we pronounce it NECA. NECA? Okay. Yeah, he works for NECA toys. And I got some NECA toys. I have some of the turtles. Same. That's it. But um but yeah, he worked for them and he was talking about it. He had one of the the knockoffs or the custom ones that you could get. So and even they're highly sought after. So anyway, all right. Mm-hmm. Oh, Kyle! Just making um, people laugh off uh, <laughs> off camera here. <laughs> well, let's. Um, do you guys have anything else you want to touch on with uh, this week's episode? Or are you guys ready to go? No, I barely even collect. You guys are the collectors over yeah, here. I, I have like say, some things. Yeah. He's big Ahsoka focus. Here for comic relief and all of the milieus of Ahsoka. I've got a bunch. I have a decent amount of Maul stuff too, and Obi Wan. Yeah. Which they did touch on her in this show too, a little so bit okay. briefly yeah. about Clone Wars stuff. So, well, all right, well, let's wrap this up. And popular uh, character. In I think series. they overstated her early popularity, though. Whatever. I I actually they did. thought the same they did. thing. Yeah, they were like, "Oh yeah, everybody <laughs> um, loved her." I'm like, "Well, not really. That's why you only no. made like four things, and you can still get them." Yeah. <laughs> yep. Yep. Because um, they they even said, "Oh, she's arguably the main character of the scene." And I was like, later on, yes, it yeah. very became that. But in the beginning. Mm-mm. They were not feeling her very much. So, all right. Well, let's uh, let's wrap this thing up and get on out of here, people. You're all clear, kid. Now let's blow this thing and go home. That was the recap of the toys that made us Star Wars, um, which came out in 2019. Go check it out if you haven't seen it. Um, it was really cool too. At the end, they showed like the little remote control R2D2 from like the 70s, but then they also showed 
the Sphero BB-8 droid that you could control by your mobile phone that came out in like 20, what, 17 or so. Um, and it's it was just kind of interesting to see how far we've come from that remote control droid to the, the ball-type droid rolling around that you can control with your phone. So... Um, Get out there anywhere you can like, follow us, rate, subscribe, do all the things. Anywhere you listen to podcasts, find us there. Yeah, the Orb podcast stuff. Um, You can follow us on social media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Outer and Beacon. You can also email us, outerandbeacon at gmail.com. My name is Justin. You can find me on Twitter at IamTheBendu. Where are they going to find you? This is Josh. I am Battle of Tanab on Instagram and Twitter. This is Kyle, and I am KB underscore legend on pretty much everything. All right, y'all. Get out there, do something Star Wars-y. May the Force be with you. Always. Kill him, dude!